Andrew Womack Ministries presents part five in the Killing Sacred Cows series, a five-part album. This teaching by Andrew is titled, You Have the Power. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Today I'm nearing the end of a series on Killing Sacred Cows. This title is a little misleading, but what I'm talking about is that God loves us, God is a good God, but we have these religious doctrines that are like sacred cows that block us from understanding the fullness of what it means that God loves us. I've talked against the sovereignty of God, against an Old Testament mentality. The love of God was not revealed in the Old Covenant the same way that it's revealed in the New Covenant. The Old Covenant was full of wrath and many people haven't gotten out of the Old Covenant and into the New Covenant. And then we've also talked about what is God's part and what's our part. Our part is not to live holy and then God responds to us but instead, God has provided everything by grace and faith is just our positive response to God's grace. If it's not responding to grace, then it's not faith. And then the last thing that we were talking about is about how that our sins have all been forgiven, past, present, and even future sins. So that's what this series is about. There's five different things that I've countered and today what I'm going to deal with, I'm going to talk about the authority that the believer has. And this has hindered us from understanding God's love because people will pray for something and then they think it's up to God whether these things come to pass. And instead of taking the power and the authority that God has given us and using it, we just throw our prayer out there and if nothing happens, we assume that it must have been God who didn't want to answer our prayer. When the truth is, God has already done His part. He put power and authority inside of us. And the reason we aren't seeing His life reproduced in us is not because God is failing to answer our prayers. It's because we are failing to take our authority and use it. You know, when I go to our Gospel Truth Seminars, and minister. I typically go out an hour before every service and I just visit with people and talk to them and there will usually be a line of people come up and people will be asking me questions but they'll also ask me to pray for them and uh, the number one thing, I mean by far, uh, two, three, four times as much as anything else is that people don't understand their authority. And they will come to me and they say, I've prayed and I've asked God to heal me. How come I'm not in? I said, so what have you done? Well, I can't do anything. Matter of fact, most of the time when people come to me and ask for prayer, they go out of their way to show me how incapable of doing anything they are. And the motive behind that is to make themselves look pitiful that I'll have pity on them and I'll do something for them. But they, in the process, they completely absolve themselves of any power to change their situation. Like when it comes to healing, I have people come up and they'll tell me that the doctor says this. I've been through chemo. They will show me that they've lost their hair, that they've done and I just am dying. There's nothing I can do. Would you please pray? you have already shot yourself in the foot by taking that approach because you don't, aren't understanding the authority, the power that God has given you. You are approaching God as if you are nothing, as if you have nothing, as if you can do nothing. And by taking that approach, you have voided 
the Word of God because God's Word says all things are possible to him that believes. You know, in the uh, 17th chapter of Matthew, Jesus was dealing with a man and his son who this boy had these seizures and stuff. And, and the father says, if you can do anything, have mercy on me. In other words, again, he was saying, you know, it's all up to you. Jesus turned right around and said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Jesus refused to take total responsibility for this boy's healing. He told that father, you have to believe. When he was going to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead and they came and told Jairus that don't bother him anymore, your daughter's dead. Jesus turned around and said, fear not, only believe. Why didn't he just go and raise his daughter from the dead? Because he needed that man's faith. In the sixth chapter of the book of Mark, it says that Jesus could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Not because of his unbelief. Jesus was functioning perfectly. He was God manifest in the flesh. There was zero problems with Jesus, but he could not, not would not, but could not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. There has to be faith and power on the inside of us. Now, it's not our power. It's God's power, but nonetheless, it's at our disposal. And people who don't understand this and don't take their authority, they pray and ask for the positive results, maybe even things that the Word of God promises, but they ask for it, and when it doesn't come to pass, they just think, well, God, for whatever reason, didn't want to do this, and it hinders us from understanding the goodness and the grace of God. I can guarantee you that there's people that you've had people die who it wasn't God's will that they died. They died because somebody didn't know how to take their authority and use it and speak. There's some of you that are dying. You have pain in your body. You have financial pressures. You have marriages failing. You have all kinds of things happening. And you're, you've prayed and asked, but then you think, well, God, why are you letting this happen? And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, you will think that somehow or another God failed you. And the truth is, it's us that failed God to take our authority and power. Here in the 11th chapter of the book of Mark is an instance where Jesus and His disciples were going into Jerusalem. This is just at the very end of His earthly ministry, right before His crucifixion. And it says in verse 12, And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, He was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, He came, if happily He might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Now this is amazing. Let me go on and read the next verse. In verse 14, it says, And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. You know, for a long time, I struggled with this. It says that the, it wasn't time for figs, and yet Jesus was displeased with this fig tree and cursed it and said no man would ever eat from it again. Well, if it wasn't time for figs, why was he upset that it didn't have figs? The answer to that is that it also wasn't time for leaves. Did you know that fig trees, and we've had actually somebody challenge me on this, and I guess that there are different type of fig trees that do different things, but we actually had somebody contact the Israeli... Um, I don't know, some government thing over there and ask. And in Israel, fig trees produce leaves at the same time they produce figs. So it wasn't time for figs, but it wasn't time for leaves either. For this fig tree 
to have leaves. It was professing something that it didn't have. It was a hypocrite. It was a pervert. And you got to remember that God created everything through Jesus. God and Jesus thought these things out. It taught, it spoke and told these fig trees how to act. And this fig tree was not acting the way it was created to act. And as creator, God had every right to come to this fig tree and curse it because it was not doing what he had told it to do. And so he cursed it and said, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. And so then they went into the city. This is when he made a whip and drove the money changers out of the temple. The second time he did it, he did it at the very first of his ministry, John chapter 2. And then he did it at the end of his ministry right here. And, the next, and that afternoon they went back to the place that they were staying. And it doesn't say so, but it, it's probable that they passed by the same fig tree and the disciples didn't say anything about it. But the next day, it says here in verse 20, this is Mark 11:20. and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. The next day, 24 hours later, this fig tree was completely dead. And you know, it says over in Matthew's account of this same thing, it says that the fig tree died immediately. But they didn't notice it in the evening when they came back by. It was 24 hours later before they realized that the fig tree was dead. So which was it? Was it instantly or was it the next day that the fig tree died? The answer is it died instantly. The moment Jesus cursed it and spoke to it, it was dead, but it took about 24 hours for what had happened below the ground in the root system to be manifest above the ground. You know, it's like when you cut a flower off from the... From the, like if it's a rose, you cut it off from the stem. The moment you sever that thing from the bush, it's dead. Now you can make it look like it's still alive. You can put it in water. You can put some uh, sugar or something in that water and you can make it look good for a week or something. But the moment it's cut off from that bush, it's dead. And the moment that Jesus cursed that fig tree, it was dead, but it took a brief period of time for what had happened in the roots to be manifest in the rest of that bush. And you know, this is the way, this has got a great example of so many things that the moment you believe it's done, but it may take a day or a week or something for what has already happened in the spirit realm to be manifest in the physical realm. And lots of times we miss the miracle of God because we just think that if God was to do something, boom, instantly all of the problems would be over. And if we don't see or feel the results that we want, we immediately start disbelieving God and that short circuits and stops the release of God's power. Boy, this is a great illustration. The fig tree was dried up from the roots on the next day. And it says in verse 21, And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. You know, when you read this, you don't have the benefit of hearing the inflection of Peter's voice. But I can guarantee you, Peter didn't just say, Master, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away. It was probably something like, Jesus, look at this fig tree. The fig tree that you cursed is withered away. He was amazed by this because Jesus didn't touch it. He didn't take an axe to it. He didn't pour salt on it to kill it. He didn't do anything in the natural. He just spoke words and that fig tree died. Did you know to the carnal mind, 
That is phenomenal. That is amazing because most people don't believe that there's power like that in words. And so I'm sure that Peter was saying, Jesus, look at this fig tree. He was amazed by it. And then Jesus responded and he said unto him, have faith in God. And I also believe that if we could hear the inflection of his voice, it wouldn't be like, have faith in God, Peter. It would be something like, have faith in God. What's wrong with you guys? You know, there's a reason that they were called disciples. <laughs> I mean, because, man, it was just, they'd been with him for three years at this time, and they were still amazed that Jesus had power in his words. After they had seen the dead raised, blind eyes open, the deaf hear, the lame walk, that he had calmed the storm by just saying, peace, be still. He had done miracles like nobody else ever had, and he always did it with his word. He cast out the spirits with his word. And yet here they were three and a half years into this, and they were still disciples. And he says, have faith in God. What's wrong with you guys? When are you ever going to get this? And then he said this in verse 23, says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So Jesus had performed this miracle by just talking to the fig tree. Peter was blown away by this, and Jesus started teaching him how he did it. And so here's what he said. He said four times in this 23rd verse something about your words. He was teaching them the power of words. Faith is voice activated. Words are powerful. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Words are super powerful, and he's teaching them how he released his faith, how this miracle came to pass, and he starts talking about words. In this first part of this 23rd verse, he said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. So this is not only talking about the power of words, but about where your words are directed. He didn't say that whosoever will pray and ask God and believe that God will do this for them. This didn't even say anything about him praying to God. If you go back and read this, he didn't pray and say, Oh God, let this tree die from the roots up and let no man eat fruit of it hereafter forever. He didn't pray and ask God to kill this fig tree. He spoke to the fig tree. And look down here in verse 14. This is Mark 11:14. It says, Jesus answered and said unto it, unto the fig tree, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. He, he spoke to the tree, but he said he answered the fig tree. You know, I know some of you are thinking, man, this is weird. The Bible isn't weird. It's us that's weird. It's the way we think that's weird. We have gotten to where words don't mean very much. We don't put much stock in words. People, you know, a generation or two ago, if a person shook hands and said, I give you my word, you could take that to the bank. But nowadays, people will promise and say all kinds of things, and it doesn't mean anything. I remember one time I was dealing with my boys, and one of them had lied about something, and I was kind of on his case, and I said, do you know where liars go? And he looked at me just as serious as he could be, and he said, to the White House. <laughs> 
And sad to say, it's true. It's true. Politicians today, men will say anything. They're, I mean, we've nearly gotten to a place to where we expect it. And we know that people are not going to tell us the whole truth, that they are parsing words. You know, it's like, I didn't have sex with that woman. It depends on what the definition of is, is. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but others do. And I tell you, there are people today who just lie under oath and do things. But Jesus, He wasn't like that. He spoke there was power in words, and notice that it says He answered the fig tree. That means that not only is there power in our words, but there's power in everything. And did you know even inanimate objects can speak to you? Your checkbook, if you look at it and if the balance is negative, did you know that that checkbook will speak to you? That checkbook will say you're broke. When the Bible says you're blessed. When the Bible says that God will supply all of your needs, that checkbook will say it's not working. Anything that talks to you, you have to talk back to it. You know, I've had things happen before and I just talk to things. I remember one time back when Jamie and I were first getting started and my mother would invite me over to mow her lawn because we had a large lawn. I didn't live with her anymore after I got married, but I'd go over and mow her lawn for her and she'd fix us something to eat, and that's sometimes the only time we'd eat in a whole week. And anyway, I was didn't have any way to bless my mother other than to mow her grass or something, but I would just use words, and I would pray over her while I was mowing the lawn. And I remember we had 23 pecan trees in the, in the place that I grew up. And back when I was a kid, my dad was alive, we would have anywhere from three to 400 pounds of pecans per year. But after my dad died, my mother let them go. We had bagworms in it. They hadn't been fertilized. And as a result, we picked up like 25 or 50 pounds, something like that, in an entire year. I mean, it was just, you know, nearly one-tenth of what it was. So as I was mowing her lawn, I used my words, and I spoke to those trees, and I spoke to those bagworms and commanded those things to die and to get out of those trees. And I just spoke to these trees. I didn't go fertilize them. I didn't do anything. I spoke. I blessed them. And did you know that that next year we picked up over five, I think it's closer to 600 pounds of pecans that we harvested from those trees because I spoke to them. There's power in words. And so Jesus just spoke to this fig tree. But notice, He didn't speak to God about the fig tree. He didn't pray and ask God to curse the fig tree for Him. He spoke directly to the fig tree. And so now in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. One of the things that hinders people from seeing the supernatural power of God is instead of doing what Jesus said, they pray to God, Oh God, I'm sick. The doctor says I'm dying. Would you please heal me? You know what? You'll die praying like that. The Scripture doesn't tell you to ask God for healing. The Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, that you already have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. It's not out there somewhere that you have to pray it down and ask God to send His power. 
See, this is how most religious people are praying. God, I need money. Lord, I need healing. Lord, I need my marriage fixed. God, I need a promotion. God, I need my car fixed. God, I need this. And we're praying, but we aren't taking our authority and using it. And to prove it, we are talking to God and asking God to do what He told you to do. He told you to speak to your mountain. Your mountain is just whatever your problem is. If you've got sickness in your body, don't pray to God and say, Oh God, please heal me of this cancer. But instead, talk to your body. Say, Cancer, in the name of Jesus, I curse you. I command you to get out of my body. I curse every cancer cell in the name of Jesus and I use my authority. Again, I go back to Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so you speak this power. You say to that cancer, I curse you. I send death to cancer. If radiation, chemotherapy can kill cancer, I guarantee you faith-filled words can do much, much better. You talk to that cancer. You talk to your pain. You talk to that growth. You talk to that infection. And you say, in the name of Jesus, I curse this sickness. I curse this disease. I kill you. I command this infection to die. Every, you know, uh, virus, every infection in my body, I curse you, I c kill you, I speak to it. And then it says death and life. After you kill the sickness and the disease by speaking words of faith, then you release the healing power of your body. Body, I loose you in Jesus' name to get rid of this, to get rid of this infection, to command it to get out of my body. You release the blessing, the anointing of God to flow through you. You know, it's like Jesus when He cursed, when He stopped the wind and stuff in the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew. He said, Peace, be still. So peace, He stopped the wind. But did you know that the waves would have kept going for a period of time until the ocean or the Sea of Galilee calmed down? He, he not only stopped the wind, peace, but then He said, Be still. So you not only have to stop the sickness and command it to stop, but then you speak to your body about to be healed. So Satan, I rebuke you. Body, I release you in the name of Jesus. You have to speak to the problem, not to God about your problem. Quit talking to God about your problem and instead talk to your problem about God. Take your authority and use it. I tell you, this is a powerful, powerful truth. The vast majority of people that I talk to, they come to me and just present their situation as totally hopeless. There is nothing I can do. Would you please help me? And they think that that's really good and they think that that's positioning them so that I will take pity upon them and help them. But what they're actually doing is coming against everything the Word of God says. The Word of God says you are a victor. You are above only and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. God gave you power and authority. It says that by His stripes you were already healed. It says that God, who, who uh, knew, had everything, He became poor for our benefit so that we through His poverty might be made rich. The Scripture teaches us that God has already done everything and it's not up to God to respond to our need. It's up to us in faith to believe that God has already anticipated every need, has already made the provision, and now we take our authority and we make it happen by faith in Him. 
I WAS USING THIS VERSE OUT OF MARK 11, 23, WHERE HE SAYS, FOR VERILY I SAY UNTO YOU THAT WHOSOEVER SHALL SAY UNTO THIS MOUNTAIN... AND BEFORE I GO INTO THE REST OF THIS VERSE, I WANT TO JUST POINT OUT AGAIN THAT THE LORD SAID YOU SHOULD SPEAK TO YOUR MOUNTAIN, TO YOUR PROBLEM. MOST PEOPLE TALK TO GOD ABOUT THEIR PROBLEM AND THEY SAY, OH GOD, HERE'S A DOCTOR'S REPORT. GOD, I HAVE PAIN IN MY BODY. WOULD YOU PLEASE HEAL ME? AND THEY JUST WAIT ON GOD TO DO IT. THE TRUTH IS GOD HAS ALREADY GIVEN US HIS POWER AND WHAT WE SHOULD DO IS TO SAY, FATHER, HERE'S A DOCTOR'S REPORT AND HERE'S WHAT MY PROBLEM IS, BUT I BELIEVE THAT BY YOUR STRIPES I WAS HEALED, 1 PETER 2, 24. AND THAT IT'S A DONE DEAL AND THAT YOU'VE PUT THIS RAISING FROM THE DEAD POWER ON THE INSIDE OF ME, EPHESIANS CHAPTER 1, VERSE 19. AND THEREFORE I RELEASE THIS POWER AND THEN YOU SPEAK TO YOUR PROBLEM. GOD'S NOT YOUR PROBLEM. YOUR MOUNTAIN IS THE PROBLEM. YOUR SICKNESS IS THE PROBLEM. YOUR POVERTY IS THE PROBLEM. YOU SPEAK TO IT. SEE, WITHOUT SAYING IT RIGHT HERE, THIS IS TALKING ABOUT THE AUTHORITY OF THE BELIEVER. BECAUSE IF YOU HAD NO POWER, IF YOU HAD NO AUTHORITY, THEN IT WOULD HAVE TO BE THE WAY THAT MOST CHRISTIANS OPERATE TODAY. OH GOD, I HAVE NOTHING. I CAN DO NOTHING. BUT WOULD YOU PLEASE STRETCH FORTH YOUR HAND? WOULD YOU PLEASE HEAL ME? SEE, THAT'S THE WAY MOST CHRISTIANS PRAY BECAUSE THEY DON'T UNDERSTAND THAT GOD'S ALREADY DONE HIS PART AND PLACE THIS SUPERNATURAL POWER ON THE INSIDE OF YOU SO THEY COME AS A BEGGAR BEGGING GOD TO PLEASE DO SOMETHING. BUT A PERSON WHO UNDERSTANDS THE WORD OF GOD AND THEIR AUTHORITY IN CHRIST, THEY COME PRAISING GOD THAT, FATHER, THANK YOU THAT YOU'VE ALREADY DEALT WITH THIS. YOU'VE ALREADY GIVEN ME POWER OVER ALL OF THE FORCE OF THE ENEMY. AND NOW IN THE NAME OF JESUS, I SPEAK TO MY PROBLEM. CANCER, I SPEAK TO YOU. FINANCES, POVERTY, I SPEAK TO YOU. SEE, BY DOING THAT, IT'S IMPLYING THAT YOU ALREADY UNDERSTAND GOD'S PART'S DONE AND HE'S GIVEN YOU THIS POWER. AND NOW YOU AREN'T GOING TO ASK GOD TO DO IT. YOU DO IT. YOU KNOW, OVER IN MATTHEW CHAPTER 10, I BELIEVE IT'S VERSE 8, THE LORD COMMISSIONED HIS DISCIPLES TO GO OUT INTO THE CITIES BEFORE HIM. AND HE TOLD THEM, HE SAYS, YOU GO HEAL THE SICK, CLEANSE THE LEPERS, RAISE THE DEAD, CAST OUT DEVILS. FREELY YOU HAVE RECEIVED, FREELY GIVE. HE DIDN'T TELL YOU TO GO PRAY FOR THE SICK. HE TOLD YOU TO GO HEAL THE SICK. HUGE DIFFERENCE BETWEEN THOSE TWO. A HUGE DIFFERENCE. DID YOU KNOW THAT WE AREN'T COMMANDED TO PRAY FOR THE SICK? NOW, THERE ARE SCRIPTURES THAT TALK ABOUT THE PRAYER OF FAITH WILL HEAL THE SICK OR SAVE THE SICK OUT OF JAMES CHAPTER 5. IT TALKS ABOUT IN MARK CHAPTER uh, 16 THAT WE'LL LAY HANDS ON THE SICK AND THEY SHALL RECOVER. I'M NOT SAYING IT'S WRONG TO PRAY AND RELEASE YOUR FAITH THROUGH PRAYER, BUT YOU AREN'T SUPPOSED TO JUST PRAY FOR THE SICK IN THE SENSE THAT, GOD, WE ASK YOU TO HEAL THE SICK. YOU ARE COMMANDED TO GO HEAL THE SICK. AND I BET YOU THERE'S PEOPLE RIGHT NOW ALL OVER THE WORLD SAYING, WHAT ARE YOU SAYING? I COULDN'T HEAL A gnat. THIS POWER ISN'T MINE, IT'S GOD'S POWER. AND PEOPLE WILL TURN OVER TO JOHN CHAPTER 15 AND SAY, WHERE JESUS SAID, WITHOUT ME YOU CAN DO NOTHING. AND I AGREE WITH THAT 100%. I HAVE NO PROBLEMS WITH THAT. WITHOUT JESUS, I CAN DO NOTHING. I CAN'T HEAL A gnat. I CAN'T DO ANYTHING WITHOUT JESUS. I AGREE WITH THAT. BUT WHAT I'M DISAGREEING WITH IS, I AM NEVER WITHOUT JESUS. AND THESE PEOPLE WHO SAY, FATHER, I HAVE NOTHING AND I CAN DO NOTHING, WOULD YOU PLEASE STRETCH FORTH YOUR HAND AND HEAL THIS PERSON? YOU AREN'T DOING WHAT THE LORD TOLD YOU TO DO IN MATTHEW CHAPTER 10. HE TOLD YOU TO HEAL THE SICK. YOU HAVE THIS POWER. IN THE THIRD CHAPTER OF THE BOOK OF ACTS, YOU FIND WHERE PETER AND JOHN 
went into the temple at the hour of prayer. And as they were entering the temple, there was a man begging for alms. He had been lame from his mother's womb. And Peter looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter said, I have it. I have it. it. He didn't say, we don't have any power. We can't do anything, but oh, God can heal. Father, would you reach forth your hand? That's not what he did. See, this is the way that people do it today, and that's the reason they aren't seeing the right results is because they don't understand that God has already generated the power and He's placed inside of every true born-again Christian the supernatural raising from the dead power that it took to raise Jesus up. Ephesians 1.19 says that. You have this power. So it's not a matter of you asking and begging God for it. It's a matter of you believing what He's already done and you taking your authority and you speaking directly to the problem. Speak to it. Notice here He says, Whosoever will say to the mountain. It's important who you're talking to, but it's also important that you use your words. There are four times in this one verse that the Lord used the word say. Whosoever will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that the things that he says come to pass. He will have whatsoever he saith. All of these times you have to believe in the power of words. And see, this is a real problem today because we have... Uh, decreased, diminished the importance of words. People will say all kinds of things, promise things. They'll say, I'll be there at 7 o'clock and they don't get there until 7.15. And most people think, well, that doesn't mean anything. It does. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 15, verse 4, that a godly man will swear to his own hurt and change not. A godly person will say what they mean and mean what they say and they are bound by their words. I actually had a guy come to me one time who was, uh, you know, going to display a, something that I was thinking of buying, and he wound up being 30 minutes late. And I had a lot of things I could have been doing, and I was waiting on this guy. And when he came in, he says, Oh, sorry, I'm late, but I'm here now. And he just started into his spiel. And I said, Wait a minute. I looked, and on his belt, I could see that he had a cell phone. So he could have called. And I said, you've got a cell phone. You could have called and have told me that you were going to be late. And he said, oh, well, yeah, I could. But, you know, I got stuck in traffic. Now I'm here. It doesn't matter. And to him, his word didn't mean much. And I just told him. I said, I'm not interested in your product. He says, why not? And I said, because you aren't a man of your word. You told me you'd be here at a certain time and you weren't. And I said, I understand that something could happen like you know, bad traffic, but you could have caught, and you didn't even think it was important. I said, if this is the way you treat me before you get my business, I guarantee you I'll have a hard time getting service from you once I do give you my business. I said, I don't want your product. There's a lot of people who think, well, I can't believe you did that, but that's the way I feel about words. And see, this is what you've got to do. He says, you've got to believe in your heart that what you say will come to pass. And every time you tell somebody you'll be someplace at 7 o'clock and you show up at 7.05, 7.10, you have just taught your heart that you don't mean what you say. Forget what other people think. That's a separate issue. But in your own heart, you have taught yourself that you will say this. You will promise that you'll pray for a person and the truth is you never pray for them. You promise that you will do this and you don't ever fulfill it. 
and stuff, and you have trained your heart that words aren't important. And then all of a sudden you try and believe God and speak to your mountain and say, I believe in my heart that I receive. And your heart's going to say, what makes these words any different than all the other words that you've said? And you keep from believing with your heart. You have to believe in your heart that what you say comes to pass. Not just what God says, but what you say comes to pass. And most people live a life that undermines that and takes away that confidence. Boy, that's huge what I'm saying. The power of God is voice activated. Words. He spoke the worlds into existence. Everything physical, everything that exists in this physical world was created by words. And that includes viruses, that includes cancers, that includes anything. It was all created by words and it will respond to words if you don't doubt what you say. You have to get to where you say what you mean and you mean what you say and you do not deviate from it. And if you don't do that, well, you're confusing your own heart. You're teaching your own heart that words aren't important. And then when it comes time to believe for a miracle, it won't work because you didn't believe it. You know, a classic example of what we're talking about was in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've been going there every year for over 30 years now. And I used to have a partner there that owned a business. He's now gone to be with the Lord. But when he was there, I would go and he had a few employees, 30 employees or something. And I'd go speak to his employees. And um, anyway, it's a long story. But I went to um, Charlotte, North Carolina. And the people that I was staying with, the owner of this business, his wife had a friend of hers who had a physical problem that she had had, I think, for seven or nine years, something like that. And she was in constant pain. The doctor said that on a scale of one to ten, her pain was a constant eleven. And they had actually told her that she probably would die two years before I met her. She was in very bad shape, basically confined to home, could do very few things. And she had such pain that the way she dealt with it, she sewed magnets into a blanket and put magnets on her body. And somehow or another, this electrical magnetic field between these magnets would lessen her pain. And that's the way that she coped. So anyway, she came over to the place where I was and there was a number of things, just like what I've been teaching through this series there was things that voided the power of God. This woman believed that God could heal. And she had been praying for healing, but she hadn't experienced healing. And you know why? Because of these things I was countering. The very first thing I countered, this woman thought God put this sickness on her, that nothing happened but what God allowed it. So therefore, God was allowing this sickness to teach her something and to make her better. And the very first thing I did was start countering that wrong sovereignty of God <clears throat> teaching. And I told her that God did not do this and that if she didn't understand that, she couldn't really resist and fight against it as long as she thought God had a hand in it. So that's the very first thing I taught her. And then she thought, well, maybe it's punishment for something I've done. I taught her the difference between the old and the new covenant. I taught her that God by grace had already done His part. Now it was her part to respond. And anyway, long story, but I dealt with her for 45 minutes countering some of these religious teachings that she had. And then I prayed for her. And remember that she had been in constant pain for either seven or nine years, something like that. Constant pain. I prayed with her and command that pain to leave. And I mean, I said, how, how do you feel now? And instantly 
her pain was gone. She stood up. She started moving around and she couldn't even force any pain to come. And she was really blessed. And she says, but I still have a stinging right here in her waist. She pointed to her waistline in the back. And she said, I've got a stinging back here. Why do I still have stinging? And I said, you didn't tell me you had a stinging. You told me you had pain. I rebuked pain and dealt with it. I said, watch this. And I prayed and commanded the stinging to go. And boom, it was gone. And this woman was just praising God. But then I spent about 20 or 25 minutes teaching her the exact same things I'm saying on this program. And I told her, I said, if you ever have another pain or a stinging, it doesn't mean that you weren't healed. It doesn't mean that you've lost your healing. It's just Satan knocking on the door, seeing if you will let him back in. And all you got to do is speak to your problem. Don't talk to God and ask God to do it. You take your authority... The Bible says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. So if you've ever been healed for a nanosecond, you're still healed. The healing power of God is there. But Satan will come and see if you will let him back in. And I said, you just have to take your authority and speak directly to that problem. Release the power of God with your words. Believe in your heart that you have what you say and it'll work. So anyway, I spent about 20 or 25 minutes teaching this woman this. And she was just praising God, pain-free for the first time in many years. And as she was leaving, she put her hand on the doorknob and she just kind of froze. And then she turned around and looked at me and she says, the stinging is back. And I said, well, I've just been teaching you what to do. And I said, so instead of me praying, I want you to pray. And I joined hands with her and I said, you pray. You put into practice what I've been telling you. So this woman, you got to remember that like 45 minutes before this, this woman had been a Presbyterian believing that God's the one that made her sick, that God was punishing her for some sin or some failure in her life. And she had come a long ways. And she, this is what she prayed, nearly word for word, the best I can remember it. She's prayed and she said, Father, I thank you that you did not put this on me, that this is not your will, that by your stripes I was healed and I believe, I receive, I, I claim my healing in the name of Jesus. Did you know that's a pretty good prayer for a person that just a few minutes before was believing all the wrong things, but it still wasn't right. It's not what the Lord said to do. And so after she prayed, I looked at her and I said, so do you still have the stinging? And she said, yes, what's wrong? And I said, you did not do what Mark eleven twenty three tells you to do. And she says, tell me again. And I said, you are to speak to your mountain. God isn't your mountain. God's not your problem. He didn't tell you to pray to Him and ask Him to do it. He told you to take your authority and for you to speak to that stinging and command it to leave. And this woman says, you mean I'm supposed to say stinging and speak to it? And I said, yes. And she said, I'll do it. So we joined hands again. And this woman said, she got mad. And she said, stinging in the name of Jesus. And that's as far as she got. And she said, it's gone. And anyway, that was back, I think, in 2001 or 2002. And did you know the last time I heard this woman is still free from all of that? And you know why it worked? Because instead of asking the God to do what He said He had already done, by His stripes you were healed, she began to believe it was done, that she had the authority, and she spoke directly to her problem. And when she did, James 4, 7 says, You resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word resist means to actively fight against. You don't say, dear devil, 
please leave me alone. That's not resisting. That's not fighting. You got to you take your authority and in the name of Jesus, poverty, I command you to leave. Sickness, I command you to be gone. Eyes, I command you to be healed. Sinuses, I command you to be healed. Pain, I command you to leave. And I know that there's some of you think, well, that's silly. Well, that's the reason that it's not working for you. I've seen great miracles happen and I speak to my body. I speak to pain. I speak to whatever my problem is. I speak to my lack. I speak to poverty. I've often made the comment, you know, that it's been years since I've prayed and asked God for finances. Sometimes people interpret that as I never pray about money. I do, but I don't ask God, like, God, would you please give me money? I'm doing what God told me to do, and He would be unjust to tell me to do it and then want me to pay for it. I can't pay for what He's leading me to do. So I do pray about money, but I don't pray asking God for money. What I do is, Father, thank you that it's a done deal, that you have blessed me and I will speak the word of God and I will call myself blessed and say I have all of the money that I need to abound unto every good work. I will speak to the devil who's trying to bind my finances and rebuke him and things like that. But I don't just sit here and pray and ask God for money. He's already commanded a blessing upon me. I tell you, this is a powerful, powerful truth. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111 or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.